Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you so much for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We have a busy show coming up today. You know, yesterday was fun to be back out on the road again. Um, we did the show at the Farm Progress Show site in Decatur, Illinois, just being out, talking to people face-to-face again. That's good. Felt good. Felt strange. I kept second-guessing myself. Did I have everything packed? I hadn't done a remote broadcast in a while, and I was double-checking everything. Um, but we're getting back closer and closer to normal in just a couple weeks i'll be going to des moines iowa to the iowa state fairgrounds for world pork expo looking forward to our broadcast from there Uh, of course farm progress show coming up as we talked about yesterday county and state fairs making plans to be back this year the national ffa convention back in indianapolis later this year we'll talk about that today with christy meyer with the national ffa organization so we're getting there we're getting there lots of uh, biofuels news to go over today jeff cooper president and ceo of the renewable fuels association will join us and the markets well it's been a uh, it's been a interesting week and we have been reminded again markets do eventually come back down We'll talk about that with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. What does he see ahead for the markets? Have we calmed things down? We're going to go back up. China uh, didn't make a big buy so far today that I know of. So, um, you know, that we've had several days of big purchases from them. So where do we go from here? We'll talk about that with Steve Nicholson in just a bit. Well, talking about in-person events, they were able to have the uh, wheat tour out in Kansas uh, this year. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat, joins us. Justin, uh, we talked earlier when you were about to get started. Now you've uh, you've been out on the out on the road for a few days. Tell us about what it was like. What were your takeaways from the tour? Hey, Mike, good to be with you today. I, you know, I feel exactly the same way as you did. It, it was certainly a good feeling to have a sense of normalcy to get back to in-person meetings and you know the wheat tour did not happen last year because of the of the pandemic and so we had to do something virtually uh but actually getting tour participants to travel back to the state of kansas and spend a week traveling around the state looking at wheat fields and being able to uh, be in hotels and and for the wrap-up meetings and and having that interaction with uh with everybody that was on the tour was was certainly Certainly felt good. But I was with you. I, it felt it, 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 it takes a little bit of, of uh, getting back to that normal mm-hmm. feeling, getting uh, back to interaction. But so what's really neat about that wheat tour, Mike, is that it's a, it's a combination of uh, farmers that participate in the tour. We have grain buyers from not just uh, cooperatives, but then also flour millers. Then we also have some end users that participate in that tour and so that interacts uh, that interaction that personal uh, connection that's probably uh, about as important as what the estimates that come in are for that wheat tour even though we did see some pretty good wheat this year we did have some pretty good discussions about uh, things that are happening with the industry what's going on with markets uh, and how this crop uh, with the with these yields and potential uh, quality uh, what that might mean uh, for marketing for farmers here uh, coming in this harvest yeah, that's a good point. Uh, 
I mean, we've all stayed in touch, uh, phones, Zoom, whatever it is during the pandemic, but something about being back face-to-face, having those conversations, um, I think that's what we've really missed and look forward to having more of those moving forward. Now, uh, the news coming out of the tour, of course, uh, you came up with a, a uh, an estimate of 58.1 bushels per acre, and that's uh, created quite a bit of uh, conversation. <laughs> well, you know, and I think it's important to probably put in perspective, Mike, the wheat, the, the tours put on by the Wheat Quality Council. The Wheat Quality Council has been doing this tour for over 40 years. Now, it's a little bit different. It gets associated to a lot of the other tours, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the corn tour and a lot of the other tours where they really focus on the yield number where the Wheat Quality Council for 40 years, their focus is at the end of the tour on Thursday, what they do, what they release is a Kansas production estimate. And that estimate this year was 365 million uh, bushel production for the state of Kansas. Now, through the week, uh, crop scouts go out, they use a NAS formula. Uh, the NAS formula uh, basically has uh, yield calculations that factor in head weight, kernel fill, number of spikelets, et cetera, uh, that then give the crop scouts an estimate that they use that they report in their car. And a lot of those were coming in pr- pretty high. But the uh, reality is when the Wheat Quality Council, and so they have the day one, day two, uh, day three, uh, what crop scouts saw in the field using that formula. But at the end of the tour, how that the final number that gets released isn't necessarily based off of that final yield, those reported yield numbers, knowing that the people out in the field aren't necessarily all agronomists or or trained enumerators. And so that final yield number is actually used, use that as part of their information. They use the, uh, use their own perception about what they saw as far as disease pressure, moisture conditions, and what the crop might ultimately yield. And, and that's where the Kansas number finally, uh, that 365 number, uh, it's made up of, of the average of the estimates of the tour participants. And so even though the yield numbers were coming in, what would be that 58.1 uh, average that you mentioned, Mike, which would be uh, the highest on record uh, if, if realized in the state of Kansas, that final production number at 365, uh, that's, that's actually not uh, – that's not a record crop for Kansas because the acres just aren't there. So if you think about 365 production, if that's realized, that's still a hundred million less than what the state of Kansas produced in 2016, just because there are, there are less acres out there and actually only about 30 million bushels higher than what the 10 year average for the state of Kansas is. So, yeah, that's a good long point. Long story short, I think, you know, the yield potential looks really good. Farmers are doing a great job managing this crop because they, uh, you know, they've had, they've had the incentive with the market prices being higher. The varieties are certainly better. Uh, the investment's been made by farmers and by breeders. Uh, so we have better varieties now than we did 10 years ago. And then, uh, uh, as you and I have talked, it's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, but Mother Nature's actually cooperated uh, pretty well here the last two weeks by giving us plenty of moisture. And I think those three things all came together, and that's what the crop tour saw this week and uh, when they – when you heard those reports of uh, pretty good yield potential. Yep, you saw some good wheat. And I think kind of tying in what we were talking about, maybe the biggest news was just the fact you were able to get out there and have the tour. Oh, I think so. Uh, you know, just uh, not having it last year, uh, not being able to have uh, you know, that, those, that in-person 
interaction with uh, farmers, flour millers, grain buyers. You know, we still didn't have anybody in, from an international. Uh, you know, typically we would have like a buyer from Mexico or an international buyer that participates in the tour also. Uh, but due to travel restrictions, we weren't able to do that this year, but we live streamed it. And we did have some international participation through that. But, yeah, certainly that interaction. Uh, but also I think it's important that, uh, you know, like a lot of the grain companies that were on that tour, uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was interesting to hear them say they weren't surprised by the high yield number, even though mm-hmm. it was higher than USDA. Uh, wow. I think a lot of internal companies are already there. And so it was good for right. farmers to kind of know where the trade was at. But thank you for everything you do from agriculture, Mike. Sure appreciate the chance to visit with you today. Well, you bet. Thanks, Justin, for the report. We appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye. Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day, our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. We get the latest numbers on ag equipment sales. Not only do we have another strong month, but now we can look at a very strong quarter to start off the year. Some areas we've seen strength in throughout. Maybe some other areas we're starting to see a growing uh, strength. Uh, kind of break it down for us. So the main story that we want to talk about really is this under 40 horsepower tractor market, and it can just continues to be so strong. With higher commodity prices, we're seeing a stronger demand for new equipment. What about the supply to meet that demand? You can't turn on a newscast today that doesn't talk about supply chain issues, and it's not limited to agriculture, but certainly we're part of that same environment where you know there's a, a well-documented microprocessor shortage, and so you know a lot of ag equipment falls into that category. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids 
kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Each week seems to have a lot of biofuels news, and this has been another one, and we're going to check in now with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, a lot of that news seems to come from the legal system these days, and we've had more this week as the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals vacated three waivers that exempted oil refiners from um, the mandates of the RFS. Those uh, were granted in the final hours of the Trump administration, and now the court has vacated those. Uh, Your thoughts on that action and what that might mean, if anything, moving forward with more of these waivers that continue to be uh, uh, requested? Well, Mike, thanks for having me this morning. And, and yes, we saw Wednesday's uh, court order from the Tenth Circuit as really good news. Uh, Your listeners might remember that uh, the day before the inauguration of President Joe Biden, uh, EPA, sort of on its way out the door, uh, rushed out three more exemptions to Sinclair, uh, which operates a couple of refineries in the state of Wyoming, uh, we didn't know that it was Sinclair that had gotten these uh, exemptions at the time, uh, but we, we were sort of, uh, I'd say, on guard and, and ready for any last-minute uh, uh, you know, hijinks by the outgoing EPA. So we filed uh, that same evening, uh, January 19th, a, an emergency motion to stay the effectiveness of those exemptions, and we filed that in the, the Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit because we didn't know which refineries had gotten them. So, you know, a, a week or two went by, and it, it became clear that it was Sinclair that got these exemptions. Uh, so all of these proceedings were transferred out to the Tenth Circuit, uh, since that's where these refineries operate. Um, and, you know, toward the end of April, EPA filed with the court and actually asked the court to just vacate and, and uh, return those exemptions to the agency. Uh, and then just uh, Tuesday of this week, uh, Sinclair filed in the court and said that it did not oppose EPA's request to vacate these exemptions. And that was a real surprise to us. We figured Sinclair would fight this. Uh, and, and uh, you know, apparently they just said uncle. And so the court on Wednesday went ahead, granted the order, and vacated these exemptions and sent them back to EPA for reconsideration. So we see all of that as very good news. Uh, we think EPA ultimately is going to deny or just cancel these these three exemptions, uh, and we think it's uh, just another sign from this this administration uh, that they want to put an end to this you know surge of of illegitimate refinery waivers that we saw under the last administration. But refineries are still requesting waivers, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they they keep filing uh, new requests. In fact, there are now seventy petitions that are pending at EPA. 
uh, for exemptions from both the 2019 and 2020 RFS requirements. So those would be, you know, those exemptions would be given retroactively, and um, any RINs that those refiners had turned in to show compliance would be returned uh, to those refineries, and, and we know it would have devastating impacts on the marketplace because now moving forward, they could comply with the RFS by turning those RINs back in uh, rather than blending actual physical volumes of renewable fuels. So they, they do continue to submit petitions. Um, we know the EPA is, is waiting very anxiously, just like we are, uh, for the outcome of the Supreme Court case that was argued a few weeks ago, uh, and we think that will uh, you know, really guide their, their actions moving forward on what to do with all these pending exemptions. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Now we're waiting for EPA to uh, let everyone know what the blending levels under the RFS for this year and next will be. Uh, but we're, I guess some reports are out there. Our friend Jarrett Renshaw is reporting with, he, mm -hmm. uh, with Reuters that uh, the levels are going to be pretty much the same as uh, we saw last year. Is that right? Well, that, that is the reporting that came out this week, and, and typically Jarrett isn't wrong about these things. Um, I don't know who, who his sources are, but he usually gets it right. Um, and so, you know, we, we are hearing uh, similar that uh, it, it is likely that EPA may sort of just keep the volume stable for 2021. Um, and, and, you know, again, you, you kind of understand the, the rationale there. It's, it's almost June. We're almost halfway through the year. Uh, and we still don't have even proposed requirements yet. Uh, so, you know, we know the refiners would would kick and scream if uh, EPA came out with a proposal that had a big increase in renewable fuel volumes um, so late, you know, in the year, once the year has already started. So it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we haven't confirmed that with EPA directly, but it wouldn't surprise me if the volumes that we see them propose are very similar to what they finalized for 2020. Um, and again, you know, we know EPA is, is moving as quickly as they can to get these proposed volumes out, and, and they understand that um, it's not ideal to be halfway through the year before the marketplace even knows what they're going to be required to blend. All right, let's move to back to this into this world now of carb, low carbon. Uh, there's a U.S. Senate bill that would grant tax credits for alternative low-carbon fuel producers for reaching net zero emissions. Uh, yep. What do you think of this bill, and is it is it fair to the biofuels industry, or do you have some concerns? Well, we we don't really know yet, and that's that's the tricky part about this this bill from Senator Wyden. Um, and and it's you know in effect it's it's kind of the reverse approach of a carbon tax. Um, rather than, than taxing fuels based on their carbon um, intensity, it's giving you know tax credits uh, to fuels for reducing uh, carbon intensity. But the, the, the bottom line and the most important thing in that kind of framework is what is you know what are the assumptions about the carbon intensity of various fuels? And so the life cycle analysis and the carbon footprint modeling, that goes along with making those determinations is incredibly important. And we really don't have much detail or really any detail yet from Senator Wyden on, on how they would intend 
uh, to analyze the carbon footprint of different fuels, including corn ethanol. Now, if they do it right, you know, if they use the Department of Energy modeling framework and Argonne National Labs, uh, you know, that's going to show that corn ethanol gives you about a 50% greenhouse gas reduction and therefore, you know, would, would get, you'd stand to benefit uh, from this program. Um, on the other hand, if they use EPA's old modeling, then, then, you know, not so much. This wouldn't be a good program for us. So we're sort of taking a wait-and-see approach on this thing and, and making sure that Senator Wyden and his staff know just how important that carbon modeling piece is for a program like this. Real quick, I know you've got to go, but uh, the Ag Department did release uh, some information about their climate smart practices that they are they are pushing, and Secretary Vilsack once again did mention biofuels as being an important playing an important role in this. Yeah, that's right, and it, and it's refreshing to see uh, you know somebody in the administration uh, stepping forward and saying, uh, yeah, the the renewable fuel standard and biofuels and corn ethanol specifically. Um, are reducing emissions and, and have played a significant role in cleaning up our transportation fuels in the past, and we expect that to continue well into the future. So uh, we were uh, encouraged to see that inclusion in the report from USDA yesterday and uh, hope to see that continue. All right, Jeff, as always, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Mike. Go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. First place Cardinals. Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Yeah, lots of biofuels news, and um, we're, we'll wait for those uh, that announcement from EPA on those RVO levels for this year and next. But, uh, again, Jarrett Renshaw from Reuters. Uh, Jarrett, we have on here from time to time. Jarrett, uh, he's covering the White House, but uh, he's spent a lot of time covering the energy sector including especially biofuels and and uh, he is he's, he's pretty well tapped in on those uh, connected well connected on some of those uh, with some of the uh, sources for those stories and he, he's saying that EPA is probably going to keep the levels about the same for this year and next as they were last year and as Jeff pointed out we're almost halfway through this year already and we're still waiting for that announcement well, it's been an interesting week with markets, hasn't it? We have uh, been reminded again that uh, those markets don't always go up, but that they have uh, indeed been coming down. And uh, that's caused a lot of questions, a lot of concerns. Are they going to keep going down? Have they bottomed out now? We're going to start back up. What's China doing? We've been getting used to them buying every day. Well, that uh, we've also seen that that's not going to be the case, of course, as we knew. They weren't going to keep making huge purchases every day. So there's a lot for the markets to uh, take in as we head to the month of June. And we look at uh, how production is going. We look at demand. We look at stocks, all these things. Steve Nicholson with the Robo AgriFinance will join us next to sort through it all and what he sees ahead for the markets as we head into summer. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. In your everyday business operations, there are endless things you can't control. Fuel prices don't have to be one of them. With the Average Price Contracting Program available at FS, we can provide you with a way to reduce the uncertainty of fluctuating fuel prices. It's a smart and convenient way for you to know what your fuel costs are going to be so that you can enjoy a little peace of mind. The Average Price Contracting Program at FS is just one more way that we can help take your business further. 
Contact your FS Energy Specialist today. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Did you know that biodiesel reduces carbon emissions by 74% on average? It's the best option available today for states and cities across America looking to immediately cut carbon emissions. It's an important contribution from America's farmers to meeting the nation's carbon reduction goals right now. That's why we say biodiesel is better, cleaner, now. Learn more by visiting BetterCleanerNow.com, brought to you by the National Biodiesel Board in partnership with soybean farmers and their checkoff program. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. Pressure across the crop markets extended the commodity sell-off yesterday. Once again, prices had to drop sharply to attract buyers, which they did, enabling prices to bounce up off their lows by the end of the day. Chinese demand for U.S. new crop corn continues. Yesterday, a 1.36 million ton sale was announced, bringing their total new crop purchases of corn to 9.5 million tons. On the Board of Trade July corn trading three and a half cent higher at 662 September up five and a fraction at 572 and a fraction of a cent for soybeans the July contract down six and a half cent at 1531 and three quarters the August contract down five and three quarters at 1479 and three quarters for wheats Chicago wheat July down three cents at 676 and a fraction Kansas City wheat July down six and three quarters at 627 Minneapolis spring wheat July up a fraction at six 97 and three quarters. The September contract up a half a cent at 703 and a half cent. Cash Cattle Wednesday did not provide any real bullish support with steady to a dollar higher prices in the south and steady to a dollar lower in the north. The move by Argentina to ban exports is expected to bring some international business to the U.S. as they supply 22 percent of China's beef imports on the board of trade. June live cattle trading 87 cents lower at 116.02. The August contract down a dollar five at 119.07 for feeder cattle the august contract a dollar 77 lower at 151.10 the september contract a dollar 55 lower at 152.55 lean hogs the june contract up 27 at 111.22 the july contract up 70 cents at 112.10 you're listening to adams on agriculture for the american egg network i'm kirsten rawl through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
It has been an interesting week with the markets. Here to talk about it, Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. Uh, Steve, a lot of questions this week, a lot of nervousness. Is is the rally over? Have we stalled out? We're going to start going back down. Now, the, those concerns calmed a little bit today, but still, those have been the those have been the questions on many people's minds this week. Yes. Good morning, Mike. Good to talk to you as always. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's been one of those nerve wracking weeks where you look at it and go, "Oh boy, is this over with?" And I, you know, I'm sure you know producers are thinking about that and thinking, "Well, do I do I need to sell now, or do I is it is there another leg up?" And so I, I think kind of let's walk through the different crops, and I, I'm going to start kind of with the easy ones, and then we'll work to the hard one, which is going to be is is kind of corn. You know, wheat. When we look at the wheat situation. Um, we got we just got results out of the Kansas wheat tour here just this morning, and they were saying that these are some of the best result yield results they've had out of the Kansas wheat tour um, ever. And so that's you know a little bit of a head scratcher this morning, thinking, boy, how could that be as dry as it is? But you know they've got the rain and that must have come just in the right time to keep the wheat crop going. The other piece on wheat is that we the same sort of situation that kind of results are seen out of the Kansas wheat tour is what we're seeing out of out of northern Europe and also out of Ukraine and Russia is good is good wheat crops there as well. And also I can tell you Australia's had a good wheat crop because they're complaining about how low prices are. But mm-hmm. so I think wheat, you know, this makes sense of what's happened in the wheat market. Soybeans, again, this is a correction on the soybean market. I think when you look at where we are on stocks, um, that is, you know, we're still very tight. We have to get through this year. We have to get through next year. And when you look at basis levels, both old crop and new crop, and this is a, this is the case for corn and soybeans, they're still very, very narrow. And that tells me that the supply side is tight, the demand side is good. And so I think, I think on, on soybeans, I, I think this is a, a correction of the market. And I would say that's healthy because we really haven't had much correction in this market. And that kind of goes to the corn market. Same situation in some ways. You have We needed a correction. We've had this almost seemingly endless rally, and you're thinking, boy, how can that continue to be the case? Um, and now we're seeing that. We're seeing that correction that we need to kind of maintain a healthy market. I think the one caveat I would have for both corn and soybeans, um, but primarily corn, is the market is now starting to think, and we've talked about this before, is looking ahead to that June acreage number and thinking, boy, we've had good weather for planting. It's been a rapid planting season. And, boy, we're going to see more acres in the June numbers. And I think there's no question about that. But the question to me is, yes, we could. And there's talks of upwards of, you know, mid-90s on corn. Um, but even if we get, you know, a million or two million beans, beans are still going to be relatively tight, uh, particularly when we look at what China continues to buy. We've seen good corn, new crop corn sales. You know, it's we're, this is not over yet in my mind. But I do think that we do see a good correction here. And we know um, if we don't get timely rains this summer and the market sees it get a little dry for a couple of weeks or the forecast changes, you know, we could be back off to the races again. So I, this is not over, uh, but it is, it, it is, it's a good reminder that we take advantage of the opportunities, both market opportunities when we see them. So some reassuring words there from Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst <laughs> with Robo AgriFinance that, uh, uh, you know, the rally's not over. The, those fundamentals are still there, as you pointed out. Now, a lot of the news this week and the 
even before this week, has been these big purchases by China. And it's almost yeah. like you get a day where they're not making a big purchase. And that, that's kind of shocking, too. We're, we're getting used to those. But that's to be expected. They're not going to be every day. But what do you see? You know, there's all this talk about how they're changing their uh, their pork production system there in yep. China. And, yep. and uh, of course, they're still dealing with African swine fever. But what do you see going on there driving this demand, why they're making these big purchases now? Yeah, this is, I think this is, there's a lot of, your question, the premise of your question, there's a lot of things driving this. You mentioned changing the feed rations, you know, the banning of garbage feeding in the backyards, uh, Western-style hog production is all is all driving that. I think there's also a, a pieces they need to build stocks because they have dwindled stocks, particularly in feed grains. When we think about corn, and we know that demand for soybeans is always there uh, from a protein from a protein meal side. That's as well. I think the other piece of this is when we think about corn in particular, is think about what's happened in Brazil. You know that crop now people are talking low 90 million metric ton crop. You know, reductions in their exports of over 10 million metric tons this year. And the Chinese, I'm sure, are looking at that. And they're also looking at their high internal food, beef, or food prices and going, boy, we need to get supply locked in because I'm not sure. We need to make sure we get it and we're first in line. So I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things pushing the Chinese to do this. And, you know, think about, you know, corrections do create opportunities for buyers. Buyers are looking at the corrections of the market, thinking, you know what, I need to, I need to take advantage of this. This is lower than where I thought it was going to be. I need to put that into my book. Let you know, let the powers of be know here we're covered on this and move forward. So I think there's a lot of that opportunity. You know, and the Chinese, you know, there's going to be a little bit of trading, trading in here as well. They're saying the pullback, let's buy some. If it goes back up, we could sell it back out, potentially make some money, and then you know, still, still find corn. But you know, they're they're concerned about supplies as well, and they're very they're very astute. And then people sometimes discount them. Do not ever discount the Chinese as traders and good buyers. How much are the markets being moved one way or the other right now by outside money, outside investments into the markets? Yeah, I will characterize it more as as psychological than really happening. And I'm going to say that, you know, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. When you look at what's happening, you know, on a macro level, it's a good question thinking about the liquidity in the marketplace. There's a lot of money sloshing around within the economy. And that's, you know, that's from everybody on Main Street to Wall Street. And so, you know, commodities have been under, with, with the rising cost of commodities, commodities have been, you know, they're not as big, they're a there continue to be a bigger part of the portfolio. And so people are putting money in there looking for those opportunities because the bond market hasn't been very helpful. Um, certainly stocks have been, had their ups and downs as well. And so people are putting money there because they have money that they need to find a home for it. Now you do look at, you know, you look at commitment of traders and non-commercial, you know, there it's, it varies between commodities. Some commodities, they're near their record high long net long positions. Others, they're kind of midland. So there is some room there to move. And there'll be money, but it, it's really a liquidity game, and you know where and kind of an allocation. Where do you put your money? And I think the fact is they think, you know, commodities because they look at crude oil, they look at the metals, they look at lumber, and think and they've seen the, the big uptick, and they tend to be. And I'm going to say this, and probably be someone's going to call me and say, "Oh, you don't understand," and that's okay. But I, I sometimes think non-commodity people, when I think of agricultural commodities, are sometimes. <laughs> They're at the end of the game, not at, you know, not at the beginning of the game. So, 
we'll see. I think there's just a lot yeah. of liquidity. So this week, as we said, was kind of a you know just it was a kind of a shock to the system. We gotten so used to prices just going higher and higher. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. a chance to kind of reset and think. You think where we were in May of 2020 and where yeah. we are now, even when the market's down some as it had been has been this week, so much higher prices than we saw before the rally started last August. Well, that's right, and and I think your 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 question is is good in saying let's put this in perspective. You know, the sky's not falling, and these prices. I mean, look at it, uh, exactly twelve a short twelve months ago. Look where we were, and we were all you know, crying in our beer, if we can put it that way. And now we're still at prices that are good for producers, produce margins, you know, could produce profitable margins, even when you look out to 22 and 23. And one of the discussions we're having with people is, and they go, well, I don't know my input costs. And, and granted, we un- I understand that. But l- after we get through planning and you get a little breather here after planning, it's probably time to sit to think down and look at this market. Where's the revenue side? And let's look at that cost side and let's kind of put a pro forma budget together and think about even though if I even if I pencil in higher input costs and we and I think there's I don't think anyone would deny that's gonna happen. Where does that put you on a profit side? And if you do that and you can still make a profit, why not reach out there and take some of that risk off the table now while you can? So you're absolutely correct. These are still opportunities, these are opportunists market for all of them. And again, who would ever think $6 in front of the July board 12 months ago? Who would ever think $15 on the July board a year ago as well? Um, these are just unbelievable prices. Think about where we were just a short 12 months ago. The psychology and the emotion of marketing, <laughs> and I know you often, you, people in your business say, try to take the emotion out of marketing, but that's hard to do, obviously. But it's almost Absolutely. like the the fear of missing the market going higher seems to be greater oftentimes than the fear of it that it might go lower. Yeah, exactly. And but let's it goes back to that whole discussion we always have, understand your costs and can you lock in a margin? Can you lock in a profit margin? If you do, it's it's like I had someone say years ago to me said you can't you can't go broke making a profit. And and that's where, you know, let's not worry about how high it's gonna go. And we always sometimes say kind of two, you know, kind of anecdotal is, you know, think about hitting singles and doubles. You know, you're not going to hit a home run to grand slams every time in the marketing play. Or give it to someone else to do. We always, we, we, we say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but with a lot of seriousness, give it to your spouse to do. Sometimes a spouse makes better decisions because they don't have an emotional, emotional tie to that crop. And, you know, they're away from it. They're one step beyond it. And, and often the spouse is the one paying the bills. They're doing the books potentially. You know, they're they see what needs to be. They see what cash has to come through the operation. So right. yeah, it take a breath. It's been an interesting week. Well, I'm sure next week will be another interesting <laughs> one. And Steve, That's thanks right. a lot. Appreciate it. Good to talk with you. No problem. Good to talk to you, Mike. Take care. Bye bye. Robo Agrofinance Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst Steve Nicholson. Well, the National FFA Convention will be held later this year in Indianapolis. We'll get the latest on that next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people 
lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Each and every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at dtnpf.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. And we're joined now by Maria Zeba. She is the Assistant Vice President, International Affairs for the National Pork Producers Council. want to focus on gaining more market access, more market share in Vietnam. What's the challenge? What's the issue here? Tariffs? It's partly tariffs, and 72 members of Congress sent a letter to Ambassador Tai last week, and they agree with us that tariffs are too high, and we need a level playing field, and we also need to address some non-tariff barriers. How big a market could that potentially be for U.S. pork producers? 
Well, Vietnam consumes more pork than Mexico and about 57 pounds of pork per year per citizen. So we can certainly see this market going from a $54 million market to something similar to, to the Mexican market, which last year we exported $1.2 billion. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on X. To be the king of the road, you have to fill with the king of diesels. We're talking about Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Cenex Roadmaster XL even cleans up and prevents injector fouling to keep your trucks out of the shop and on the road. And typical number two diesel? That's always an option. The wrong option. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. The National FFA Convention will be back as an in-person event in October in Indianapolis. Here to tell us about it is Christy Meyer with the National FFA Organization. Christy, good news. Hi, Mike. It's great news. Thank you so much for letting me talk to you about it. So it'll be back in person. Maybe not everything back completely the way they that way it was, but you still have to take a few, maybe make a few adjustments. But for the most part, FFAers will be back in Indianapolis in October. Yeah, so what's going to happen is this year we're going to do it in person, but we're still going to have a virtual program. So those who aren't going to be able to make it to Indianapolis will still be able to participate. So it's going to look a little bit different um, as we continue to navigate our way through this pandemic. We're working with our city and state because things are changing with health officials and what is allowed and what isn't allowed. So we may not see that 65,000 plus that we're used to, but we're thinking, we're really hoping that maybe at least half of that. Um, but in terms of programming, in, for that in person, we're going to have the general sessions, career success tours, the expo and shopping mall, our American degree ceremony, national days of service, workshops, um, the pieces that will be virtual. There'll still be some student and teacher workshops that'll be virtual, um, national days of service. There's be a, be a virtual component to that. And then our national episode blue room will be virtual. So there'll be a lot to choose from. So you still got to, you know, go by whatever the um, the plans are, the health plans, the protocols, and the precautions. But you know, the way they're being eased each, seemingly each day, each week. By the time you get to late October, I mean, it, it could really be much closer to normal, right? Well, that's our hope. I think that's everybody's hope, right? Every every piece that we get a little bit closer, I think we're all hoping to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but we're definitely working closely with the city and the state and county, as well as the venues, on what they're allowing and what we can do to ensure the safety and health of our participants. So it's kind of a, going to be a hybrid this year, in person as well as the virtual program that uh, those that can't attend can still see, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the great thing is even before this year and last year, we always streamed our general sessions, so that will still be continuing. So people who can't make it can still see those sessions, watch them either on our uh, convention site 
or watch gavel to gavel coverage on RFD TV. So they'll still be able to participate. Um, but we'll still have that in-person component. So our members will actually be able to see people face-to-face and not through a computer. So we're pretty excited about that opportunity. How has the pandemic, which has touched all of our lives, how has it impacted FFA across the country this past year? Yeah, you know, I think the way it's really impacted us and watching our members and how they've adjusted to it, we've really seen our members be so resilient with figuring out how to do things in a new way, Um, not only figuring out how to attend events, but also how to continue to give back to their community because our members have always had a heart for service. And we really saw that come out this year, you know, of really having them work in their community, see how they can help and really, really step up. So that's kind of what we've seen. It's just our, our members have been fantastic. They've, they've worked together. They've been resilient and they, they just shown that no matter what is thrown at them, they can adjust and they can really, really be at their best. I've been talking about how much we've missed these in-person events and seeing old friends, making new ones, having the conversations in the hallways or wherever it might be. Uh, for those that have been to a, a national FFA convention, you know that the energy and the excitement that goes along with it is just kind of unmatched. So I would think being able to have that again, it may not be full capacity, but hopefully close, uh, that's such a big part for these young people to be able to come together and interact with the fellow FFA members from across the country. Yeah, absolutely. There is. For those who have attended, they'll know that there's a certain type of energy of when you're in that convention center or in that arena, or even just in the city walking down the streets and you see all the members in the blue jackets. But I'll tell you, Mike, it's not only an energy that you feel with those members, but the city and state um, the residents of Indianapolis, they always commented on it, too. So when we made the announcement earlier this week, there were so many people in the city who couldn't wait to see that again because to them it's also like another piece of normal, right? Like their fall is going to feel more like a fall because they're going to see those blue jackets. That energy that our members have isn't just contagious to people who are familiar with FFA, but it's fam- it's contagious to everybody who sees it. Well, so uh, stay tuned. Hopefully you'll be able to make more announcements through the year about the more things that you'll be able to do. But uh, the big news right now is the National FFA Convention will once again be an in-person event October 27th through the 30th in Indianapolis. So, Christy, it um, gives everybody something to look forward to, you know, for FFA to have that big event coming up in October. Yeah, we're pretty excited, Mike, and we just want to encourage everybody Stay up to date with us at convention.ffa.org, and we'll continue to update you guys on how stuff is going to change. But, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing people in October. Yep, very good. Christy, thanks a lot. Good good news to pass along. We like that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Mike. Take care. Christy Meyer with the uh, National FFA Organization. Again, here's another big event that will be back this year as an in-person event. They may not have full capacity, but who knows as we get closer to October if the restrictions keep being eased, but at least they're planning on having an in-person event as well as uh, much of it being offered virtually as well for those that can't be there. But as we talked about yesterday as I was indicator for the Farm Progress Show preview and looking ahead to World Pork Expo next month, uh, we're starting to get these events back in person scheduled for this year, and we can't wait 
for that to happen as we uh, take those steps back to whatever it's going to be like. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. There are going to be some things that just won't be the, back the way they once were. I mean, the, some things are going to change and change forever, but being able to see people again face-to-face and, and get to talk and discuss and make those friendships and renew old friendships, that's such a big part of it, and we're so glad that that's coming back. So glad that you've been with us today and hope you will come back and join us uh, on Monday for another AOA. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.